If you didn't get one of these, uh, there should be more than enough to go around for one per family. Uh, please don't hesitate to take one. Uh, my refrigerator is full of these things. They're wonderful. They're fantastic. And, you know, because we make them, I keep them in my church office, too. So these pictures are everywhere. And they're not just pretty, but they're important in that it reminds us from a picture like this that the journey of life doesn't cease. It doesn't stop. The next time you see many of these babies, they look different. But you know who's the same? Just today, today, and forever. Jesus Christ. So this morning, I wanted to use the occasion of Mother's Day to be able to turn things around a little bit and not make it just about the mothers. Now, I don't know how your expectations are in coming to church on a Mother's Day Sunday. Sometimes it is like this, where you expect to hear wisdom, or you expect to hear, uh, you know, kind of uh, discernment or, you know, teaching on what a good mother is or how not to be a bad mother or, you know, what mothers do or don't do. Well, um, certainly there's a lot that could be shared on that. But, but here's the thing. When we approach it that way, sometimes there's a group of us sitting in a room such as this in which we feel like, wait, you're not talking to us because I'm not a mom, because I'm not married, because I'm a dude, because I'm a grandparent. And you're thinking, okay, so I'm going to tune this Mother's Day out. And that's kind of maybe an innocent thing that happens sometimes. But then also, I mean, as Pastor Albert alluded to, even in his prayers, there's some of us that the thought of Mother's Day, the thought of this idea, this cultural celebration of mothers, it brings about difficult memories. There's some of us here that are single, which God has willed for you to be single. You are not a second-class citizen if you're single in God's kingdom, in his spiritual family. You are not at all. But some of us might feel like, oh, it's like I'm not good enough. Maybe some of us have those broken relationships with our children. Maybe some of us have had difficulties with our parents and, and the whole entire institution of family. We question many things. We've experienced many things. And so today I wanted to use a passage that doesn't focus on mothers primarily as the, the direct people that I'm speaking to, but I wanted to broaden it to speak to all of you and mothers then become more like the direct object, that the people then were able to apply this passage and who it is that we're able to think, okay, how can I, as a part of God's spiritual family, get into the lives of mothers? And so you could be a mother and apply this. You could be a grandmother and apply this. You could be a man and apply this. You could be a child and apply this. You could be married or not. You could come from a broken family or a Christian one. Sometimes they come together too on those two fronts. But that this passage and this message then is for all of us. Because Mother's Day can be so much more than gifts and flowers. Mother's Day can be so much more than one day a year. Mother's Day comes from the heart. One that if you're one of God's people, it comes from a supernatural gratitude that is reflecting of the fruit of the Spirit working in you. That's Mother's Day, not what you're supposed to do, not what you have to do, not what you only do once a year. So today, if you will turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses of Galatians chapter 6. Please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come here this morning giving you thanks because you have adopted us into your family through faith in Jesus Christ. We give you praise because of the spiritual brothers and sisters from many households that you have brought together at FCBC Walnut for the grand purpose of disciple making. And as we celebrate and honor mothers today, 
We thank you for their love, sacrifice, and perseverance time and time again in the lives of their children. We don't often appreciate them enough in real life, so please help us to express our gratitude through words and actions more. We want to pray, Lord, for those women in our midst who are single, who have not been able to have children, who are estranged from their children, many others for whom this cultural holiday may bring painful memories. And we ask, Lord, that they, as well as all of us, will be comforted by the truth that you are the perfect Heavenly Father who keeps all of your promises and works everything for the good for your children. Lord, may we be reminded that our greatest treasure is Jesus, always, and our deepest bonds, which will last forever, are with your people and our spiritual family. So may we have years to hear this morning both teaching and practice that will help us to support and encourage the mothers in our midst as a church family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to be looking at Galatians 6, 1 through 10, because the Bible speaks about two types of families that a Christian can belong to. And this passage allows us to put the two together in application. If you see even in the beginning of chapter 6, verse 1, that the people in the churches of Galatia are addressed as brothers. And as they're addressed that way, you find that in verse 10, there is a particular emphasis as well on doing good, especially for the household of faith. And so this idea of family is being placed over the people of God as Paul is writing this. So the Bible teaches about two types of family that Christians belong to. The first is your earthly household. It consists of biological or adopted members. And this family was ordained by God to be primary disciple-making units for parents and children. It is anchored by covenant-keeping marriage between husband and wife. This kinship expands across generations. And when we celebrate Mother's Day, we honor all the mothers, stepmothers, adoptive mothers, aunties, and grandmothers who have embraced this calling and sacrificed for their children, committing their lives to their future to nurture, provide, and care for them. You know, it's always amazing to see how this love can transcend culture and language and seasons of life, in that when you're a parent in this kind of household, you never quite grow out of it. There's always something by which you're thinking about your children, how they are doing, and how you can continue to be in their lives and to walk with them and to help them and support them. It is a thankless and fruitless job, oftentimes in the short term, and there's no promise of any long-term rewards either. You're not raising robots. It's not a formula. You can't plug something in and guarantee to get something out. All you can do is be faithful, which is why a day like this exists, for which we can appreciate these special women in our lives. But then we wonder if it should just be one day, or should we just take the time to recognize once in a while that maybe God's grace is simply that we have a person that we can relate to named Mom. That should be on our hearts and minds when we see what family is in this way. But the second is a spiritual household where disciples of Jesus are brothers and sisters who commit to obey Jesus' commands to make disciples by loving and serving one another in the local church. And so when these three families are coming together to commit themselves to be disciple makers in the lives of their children, where are they doing this in front of you? Because you are a spiritual family. Now, Easter Sunday, just a few weeks ago, we had 50 people from three congregations, three language congregations, join 
FCBC Walnut through membership, through taking the pledge, through committing to the church covenant. And it's so wonderful to see that our spiritual family is growing, but even as the spiritual family grows, guess what it brings in? Earthly families, earthly households into a greater household of faith. And so this partnership is exactly how God ordained it to be, that not all of the members of our earthly families belong to the spiritual family of God, but the spiritual family of God is what ultimately ties us and supports us and encourages us to reach our earthly families and then to go beyond that locally and globally to make disciples. But we can never forget that the two of them intersect. And for many of us, they're both major priorities. Although all of us, if we're in Christ, are in at least one of them and will interact regularly with the other. So there's three ways then from this passage that we can see mothers can be encouraged. And I want to turn us first to Galatians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 1. The three ways in which they can be encouraged is one, that we can strengthen them spiritually, that we can restore them spiritually. Two, that we can bear their burdens as their spiritual family so that they can carry their load. And I'm going to go ahead and explain that a little bit later because that almost seems uh, like double speak, uh, a little confusing there. But we'll get there. And then number three, we can sow appreciation with the expectations then that we can reap generously. Okay? So we're going to work through this passage with each part pointing to these particular ways of encouraging our mothers and appreciating them. So this then includes all of you, okay? So starting in verse 1, if you could go to the next slide, please. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This first command from Paul is for a mother's spiritual family to intervene in their lives if they are running away from God and are living in sin and are living a life of transgression, breaking the laws of God. If they are departing from their faith, the spiritual family has a responsibility to go confront them and to win them back. But there's more. It's, it's more than just this idea of confrontation. Okay? There's more, and Paul describes this. See, earlier in chapter 5, he described two types of people that were going in two different directions. He couldn't be more opposite. There was a group of people that lived in the Spirit, that were led by the Spirit, that have crucified their desires of the flesh and of sin. So they're running towards God in the power of the Holy Spirit away from a sin that they are choosing to kill and are killing every day. And that bears the fruit of the Spirit, which is a familiar list for you, those nine fruit. But then there's the people that are walking in the deeds of the flesh. And there's a list of that too that preceded the fruit of the Spirit. And this list is a variety of sins, some more serious than others. But Paul describes in these two types of people, people that walk in the Spirit and then people that are walking in the flesh. And then in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, those who, who are spiritual, you have a responsibility. You see, because we're on the same journey together. If we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we're following Jesus, and we're running towards God, and he's leading us to heaven, these mothers that are Christians as well, 
they're running with us. So we don't want to leave them behind. We don't want them to fall away. We don't want them to disappear. We want to be there with them and for them as they continue to journey. When we see the mothers around us, it is often easier to pay attention to their external circumstances than really their spiritual well-being. It's almost more convenient. Whether she's a first-time mom calming a crying baby in public or in worship service, whether she is a mother of youth serving as a full-time Uber driver while often working full-time as well, if that's even possible, or a mother of grown children who is adjusting to an empty nest while worrying about their kids' futures. See, that's the stuff we see. But there's often deeper spiritual things at work. See, motherhood can be difficult because there are many exhausted days, stressful decisions, and stumbling blocks in their lives. And a lot of that is orchestrated by their circumstances, by their hearts, by Satan, by their culture, by the people that live with them, by their friends even. Oftentimes, mothers also wear the hats of daughter, wife, sister as well. So imagine all the things that they could be struggling with. And so if we see a mother that is wrestling in her walk with God, how should we be? Because it's important for us to obey Jesus' exhortation that if you were to take the speck out of someone's eye, what do you do first? You take, you know, with giant, you know, clamps, the log out of your own first, it says in Matthew 7. So how does Paul address this in Galatians 6? Well, he points to, first of all, people being spiritual, so there are people that the Holy Spirit is working in, but then also then people that keeps watch on their own heart so that they're not going around pointing out the sins of moms going, oh, haha, you're not doing it as well as me. Or what is your problem? Why do you have this kid? That's so expensive. What is wrong with you? Life goals, life decisions. Or, or even kind of like, oh, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm just more mature than this person. I guess, you know, I'll call this person out. I'm doing them a favor. No, no, you've you got to check your heart and then the means by which you even restore and win people back. When mom's back, when they're in sin or just struggling in their walks with God is one of gentleness, which immediately you connect with it being a fruit of the Spirit earlier. You're trying to restore them. You're not trying to point them out like moral, police, people. You're trying to restore them so that just like Jesus leaving the 99 sheep to pursue the one, that that's our heart's desire when we see a mother struggling with sin, with her relationship with God, with a variety of things. We're trying to win them back. Now, when a mother looks frustrated or angry, maybe snaps at you when you're trying to make conversation, okay, that's, that's not you guys, of course. I'm talking hypothetically, right? Hy- hypothetically, okay. Maybe you find out they haven't prayed or read the Bible in a long time. Perhaps they've been missing worship service or absent for fellowship or a small group or a community group or something. There might even be troubles in their marriage. All those things are rooted in sin in some way. So what is your response? What can it be? What should it be? Well, you ask, how do you then restore them to their heavenly Father? You restore by extending gentleness and care. You restore by not taking a simple answer for an answer. You know what we do? When you cross someone in a corridor, you say, hey, how are you? And then what's the immediate response? I'm fine. I'm good. Right? 
You do not take that as an answer. You do not take I'm fine as an answer. You do not take good as an answer. And I mean, obviously, you can't read everyone's minds, but it's more of what you know of that person, what you know of how they are doing. Maybe they're not fine. So the process of restoration begins with an intentional building of relationship and pursuit to know, for them to know that you are there walking with them on the same journey, to remind them of God's saving power in Jesus Christ, to remind them that as a mother, they actually need the Holy Spirit working in them to be a godly mother, that to run away from God is the opposite of the supply that they need because there is no greater source of supply for a mom than to be walking with the Holy Spirit. To encourage them from Scripture to seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, even though there's many more pressing issues and circumstances at hand, and to continue to believe in Jesus. Sometimes it's just that simple. Do you believe in Jesus? That both he loves and he saves, that he will take you to heaven and that he is in control, that he is a good shepherd, but he is also the one that knows your heart. Do you believe in Jesus? Sometimes it's easier for us to lend people help in less significant ways, which we will see later they might need as well. But part of what sets a spiritual family apart is that we care about the big things and the eternal things and the lasting things. Send that text. Contact that person. Use all the tools to win them back so that they are walking with the Lord. See, Paul even reminds us at the end of verse 1, we need to check our own hearts, right? That it's not just us going around fixing problems, but we need to check our own hearts so that we are right with God and we are running in the same direction. So many times, maybe as you try to, to walk alongside a mother of various ages and stages and God's put a burden on your heart, maybe the door will close right in your face because that's where things are. But you try and you pray and you keep praying until God works. Now, why would we go through all this trouble to call out and restore a mom from sin and transgression? Why? Because God loves his children and we are his spiritual family. Now, there's a second thing that we can do. In verse 2, Paul says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I'm going to jump real quick to verse 5. For each will have to bear his own load. So there's two mentions of this idea of burden. And it kind of makes us think, wait, is that meaning the same thing? They seem opposite. One is, hey, why don't you bear the burdens of the mothers? And the other one is, wait, everyone's got to do their own thing. Everyone's got to be responsible. Everyone's got to fulfill their role. So what is this? Well, earlier in Galatians 5, Paul wrote that the whole law is fulfilled in one word, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So the call then to bear the burden of a spiritual brother or sister as he or she is going through life, that should be something that as the Holy Spirit works in us that we're more and more open to. We're thinking, hey, how can we help? How can we serve? How can we come alongside? How can we be a part of what God is doing in your life? And different people respond to the Holy Spirit's leading in different ways, in different capacities, but that's something that grows in us because we are growing in Christ. So when we come alongside mothers, God is pleased because we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. 
But then what is this whole bear his own load business? Like, are you supposed to do what mothers do? Like, take care of their work, buy their stuff, you know, do all the things that they're supposed to do, and they just kind of sit at home and, I don't know, binge on Netflix and, and do nothing while their kids are in school? I mean, what is that? What, what are you supposed to do? How does that fit? Well, how it comes together is helpful. Even the ESC uses two different words. There's a burden in verse 2, and then there's a load in verse 5. So the idea is that the verse 2 burden is much heavier. This is weighty stuff, and a load is something that is lighter. You know, earlier I um, preached in a Mandarin congregation, I mean, mostly in English, but there was even a contrast in Chinese, how it speaks about there's a heavy burden, and then there's a burden. It, it's it's it translated differently to make a point. That a heavy burden is one in which there's just sometimes circumstances in life that when comes upon a spiritual sister who is a mom, with everything else that's going on, can just crush them. So they're just trying to do their best to be mom at various stages. But there's sometimes burdens in their lives that would just absolutely crush them. That they are unable to do what they're supposed to do and called to do, whether joyfully or capably, or even maybe they just can't. And it's in their hearts and minds, this feeling of being trapped or handicapped or depressed. There's heavy burdens in life. And a lot of times, it comes from the circumstances and the transitions in the homes that we are in. So when we see those kind of burdens in the lives of mothers, we're called to help bear those burdens. You know, about a year ago, there was an article written in the New York Times that had this title of a job description for the dumbest job ever. Okay, so this is written around a year ago, around Mother's Day, that's nice. All right, so what's the title of the position? Mother. The title of the position was Mother. And summarizing that article, this list, kind of in a you know, resume format or like a job description format, it was this, it was that this job had the greatest responsibilities but the lowest visibility and respect. Okay? Some key responsibilities include keeping coworkers alive, right? Supervise all possible hazards, read every single book about everything, plan vacations, and stay on trend in what you wear, or maybe not on trend because you don't want to be too much, right? With your clothing. Now, this position reports to young coworkers that orders you around, do not listen, and is unappreciative. No skills or experience will prepare you for this. And to top it off, it is a volunteer, unpaid, full-time job where success is measured decades from now, maybe, after they leave you. So there is no feedback loop, no reward loop sometimes for the mom. Now, I know this article was sarcastic, but a lot of it was written, a lot of it, how it was written, probably describes how some mothers feel today, even some who are in our congregation, some who are in our spiritual family. In preparation for this message, I took some time to ask some moms, uh, you know, different ages and stages of moms, this question. What is something that our church family can do that would be an encouragement for you? Across the board, what the ladies shared was this, that they valued conversation and friendship where they can share honestly, cry openly, and pray powerfully through their struggles. The mothers did not ask for relief 
from the responsibilities of being a wife, mother, a daughter, or a sister. In fact, most saw the calling as noble, even as it required a prioritizing among other callings of work and ministry. What they needed was someone to walk with them during the most difficult times. In the ordinary times of motherhood, can be that, where maybe they don't have that, and they don't experience that kind of friendship and that kind of conversation. They need to experience God's love tangibly and visibly through walking along with others. Sometimes bearing a burden is not to do what they are supposed to do or want to do or are called to do, but bearing a burden is just to include them in your life as you journey after Christ. You know, verses 3 and 4 says this, For anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. See, Paul's reminding the recipients of this letter, don't compare yourselves to other people. See yourself and see your call as a part of your identity in Christ. The reason why I'm saying this is this, is that as I look out into this room, I don't know, let's say a quarter of you are mothers. I'm just broadly guessing. I I don't know. So the three quarters of you might hear a passage like this and think, I I don't know how to encourage a mother. I've either forgotten everything or I don't know anything or I'm not married or I'm not, you know, mature or, and not to even mention if you're a guy, you just kind of feel clueless altogether, right? But the standard by which we're, we're called to measure how we can obey God's command in this is not us, but it's who we are in Christ. Can we, as a follower of Jesus and a child of God, come alongside a struggling mother in our spiritual family? And it doesn't mean you come alongside the same way. But is it at least important enough to where when we see a mother at various ages and stages that we don't think that's not our problem? That is not my life stage. I'm not going through that. I don't even want to get married. And think, you know what, then forget it. I'm going to walk on and do my own thing, hang with my people, and just enjoy my life. At some point, being a family needs to mean something, and being the spiritual family of God needs to mean the most. And so when you look at this passage speaking about how it's not how you compare yourselves to others, but it's about how God wants to use you to be a blessing to others, it changes things. That it's not about, okay, the mothers sit here, or maybe some mothers sit there, the older mothers sit here, and the younger mo- We're one family. We sit in different places. That's fine. But these mothers are our mothers. And that needs to mean something for you, regardless of whether you're a mother or not. So that's where the, the connection to the heart comes to whether, where do you find your identity? Is it in your life circumstances, or is it in the fact that you are a brother or sister to those mothers who are in Christ? And then, what might you do if you were living that identity? You know, sometimes intentional love and care for a spiritual family is just to envelop them when their schedules are insane, their bodies are running on three hours of sleep a night, non-consecutive, their marriages are in disarray, and their time with the Lord is hardly there. Don't think you don't have anything to offer you could be young and encouraged. You could be older and walk alongside and, and pat on the back. You could be somebody that prays if you're not as social or relational. But it begins with a heart in that you care about certain disciple-making 
mothers in our church, that what they're doing, as God has called them, is noble, it is important, it is eternal. How can I come alongside to bear their burden? The third way by which we can encourage our moms can be found in verses 6 through 8. I'm going to go ahead and read from verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. I'm going to ask uh, two questions really quick. If you're bold enough, raise your hand. I'm sure you are. Okay. So first question. How many of you guys started learning about God, coming to church, heard the gospel, or became a Christian because your mom brought you? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Raise it high. Your mom brought you, even when you didn't want to come to church, even when you didn't want to read that Bible story again, even when you didn't want to do something because you'd rather do something else. Okay. So you now fall in a category for which appreciation can come out of you, right? According to this verse. Here's the second question. How many of you guys had women, you know, spiritual moms, aunties, people from this church, you know, teach you the Bible, shared with you the gospel, encouraged you to walk with God in Sunday school, worship service, VBS, retreats, missions trips? How many of you, raise your hand if you had spiritual moms and aunties that have served you in that way. You know what? You can see how the two families intersect in our room. See, many of those moms, in the second question, may not be moms themselves, but what did they do? They poured into you, who are the kids of other moms. It's not about who you are. It's about who you are in Christ. And if you are open then to that freedom that comes from, oh, I don't have to be mom. I don't have to be married. I don't have to even want to get married in order to be a disciple maker in my spiritual family. Boom, all of a sudden, this church family becomes a wide array of disciple-making opportunities. You know, this whole thing we're talking about with the discipleship pathway and taking the next step, you know what? An entire lane, and sometimes it's a carpool lane because, you know, there's a lot that we can use help with. It opens up to you because you don't see that I have to fit this qualification to be in that lane. You can just go in that lane. I think spiritual moms are so important. And when we celebrate something like Mother's Day, I want to encourage you guys to apply verse 6 very personally. 7 and 8 speaks about how God knows your heart. God knows what people have done too. Appreciate them generously. So generously. That's the metaphor that Paul gives. When you sow generously, you reap generously. When you sow and appreciate, let's say, on Mother's Day, your mom being faithful as many mistakes that she's made, as many sins that she's committed, but if she's a follower of Jesus and she's been trying to raise you in that way, just appreciate them for that. Don't do it for me. Don't do it because you're supposed to. Don't do it because it's Mother's Day. Do it because the Bible told you so. If you've been blessed by spiritual moms, tell them you appreciate it. You know, you know what keeps people serving? It's, it's not making service easier. Making people ser- helping people to serve for the long term is that they see this is worth it. And while we know in our minds it's always worth it, do you know how meaningful a simple act of gratitude from someone that has received spiritually by their faithfulness, not expecting anything in return, comes back to simply say thank you. Thank you for sharing about Jesus with me. 
Thank you for flipping through Bible drill things with me. Thank you for helping me memorize Awana verses. Thank you for teaching me about this doctrine or that truth. Thank you for coming alongside to counsel me and pray with me. Could be a mom. Doesn't have to be a mom. But the application applies in verse 6. And I want to encourage you guys to sow generously because what you'll reap, as well as what we will reap as a vibrant church committed to reproducing migrant churches of disciple-makers, that's what we hope to reap. But see, that's about people. It's always about people. So I want to close with 9 and 10. And uh, this is also going to be something that includes all of us. So Paul simply exhorts, for God's people to not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, and if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to stand. I know, it's a day of standing and sitting. It's, thank you guys. Uh, but I want to just use this time to actually commission you. So it's, I'm not just praying for the mothers, but I'm commissioning you guys to apply this morning's message and just be a blessing to the moms and the primary disciple makers in our midst because we could all do something, and we don't have to be the same thing to do something. Because in God's eyes, our value and our worth is in Christ, and our standing is in him. We, so we can all do something. We can call and restore a mother back if she's in sin and straying from God and losing her faith. We can be what God uses to encourage them. We can be people that would sow appreciation generously so that they would continue and be encouraged in what God has called them to do. And we can also be people that bear their crushing burdens, even in little ways, so that they can be faithful in being mom. So let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this morning again, for all that we've seen and experienced that reminds us, Lord, that you are our Heavenly Father that is perfect, that is good, that is powerful, and that is in control of our lives. We do want to thank you, Father, for the mothers in our midst, but we also thank you, God, that on an occasion like this, when we are worshiping in the midst of a spiritual family and friends, Lord, that brothers and sisters in Christ can commit ourselves to building up the mothers who are primary disciple makers in our midst. We pray for the courage to restore mothers who are wrestling with their faith and struggling with debilitating sins. We pray for the compassion to share in the burdens that mothers go through so that they may fulfill their responsibilities and not be crushed by the stresses of life. We pray for continuous appreciation to flow beyond a single day from their children, their spouses, and their church family, so that in sowing generously, your kingdom will be generously in the next generation. Thank you for ordaining the earthly family and then creating a forever family for them to flourish in. We pray that our church will fulfill the law of Christ by loving our neighbor and the mothers and spiritual mothers in our midst as ourselves. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.